welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. Uh, I want to come around a word for what God wants to say to us specifically, um, to us as a church, as, as City Point North. Um, and, and the reason that we come to a, a church, like you can get great teaching online everywhere now, in this intellectual age that we live in, the benefit of coming to a church is that, like we sung in our songs, the Holy Spirit is here and the Holy Spirit wants to do something specifically within a group of people. It's always why Paul wrote his letters to a church, not to a person. It was always around a group of people growing together on mission together for a common purpose. And so when we come to church together, we come around a word for us. And so today I'm really convicted that I don't just want to read a scripture, because all scripture is true, but a scripture that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us for this time. And even though it was penned however many thousands of years ago, that it can be for us in this season. And I want to go through this now because in thousands of years when we're hanging out in heaven together, I would much rather you say, thank you for that word that convicted me and changed me. Not just, hey, thank you for that nice, touchy-feely word that made me feel happy for my Sunday, but thank you for saying something that I didn't like at the time, but it convicted me to change and become holier and more like Christ. So let me start today by just praying around this, praying for a real moment in these next 30 minutes that we have together. God, I just pray for something real, just In the book of Acts, when the apostles preached, it was proven by your Holy Spirit doing work in people's lives. Holy Spirit, I pray you just do work in our lives today. The grand architect, will you rip down walls and build rooms in our heart, Lord God, that we can become bigger temples for your presence and your spirit, that we can become the people in the church that you need us to be. We're ready, Lord. Have your way in our hearts today in Jesus' name. The, The title of my message today is... A prayer for right now, a prayer for today. This is what we want. And yes, it is a a prayer and it's around a prayer, but it's all around unpacking a prayer that was said in the Bible. I I know right now the world is a crazy place. If you look around the way people are doing relationships and uh, the way people are acting, uh, the way Russia's acting, you know, all these different things in our world. We can look at the world and be like, the world is crazy. It's lost its mind, which is not surprising at all. The world has always been the world. The world has always done some crazy things. And so it's not a surprise that the world would act like the world. And so I'm not here today to preach what the world should look like, but I am here today to preach what the church should look like. Because when Paul talks to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he says, in the end days, it's going to be hard. And it's not going to be hard because the world gets crazy, but some of that craziness starts to seep into the church, that people would be lovers of themselves, that people would be lovers of money, that people, and it says this one that really convicts me, they would hold to a form of godliness, but they would deny its power. They would cling to the shadow of Jesus, but never really know who he is. They would would have this, yes, I know what Jesus would do, but they don't really know who he is. They would cling to a form of godliness, would say, I know God, but they don't submit to the lordship of who he is and therefore don't experience the blessing that Pastor Gray was just talking about that there is this way that people can live where they cling to a form of godliness, but they deny its true transformational power. And I just pray that we aren't like that, that that's not us. Because Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy about the church, 
Yes, the world's crazy, but he's still going to avoid these kinds of people. This is not the church that we need to build. And all these times they're talking about you need to be lovers of, it says people be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. And I hear people talk about the scripture where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you love yourself more, then you'll love your neighbor more. But sometimes we get it twisted. And if I just love myself more, then I'll love others more. But every time I catch up with people with coffee, they talk all about themselves. Like we, we love ourselves plenty. Like that's, that's not the problem here. We don't need to love ourselves more. We need to love God more. And we can't control what happens in the world out there, but we can control what happens in here and who we are. There's a story of um, a submarine captain, and the submarine captain is off shift. They're underwater, they're traveling. The 2YC is running everything, and uh, the captain's in his bunk, and he starts to get shaken around a bit in his bunk bed. And so he gets up, and he's like, oh, do we hit something? Are we under attack? What's going on? And he walks into the bridge, and he walks into the bridge, and he asks his 2YC, is everything okay? And the 2IC says, everything's okay. And the captain looks around the bridge. He sees that everyone is calm. Everyone is collected. He doesn't need to pop the periscope. He doesn't need to ask any more questions. He looks at the bridge and says, everything's okay. And he goes back to bed. Because he can judge the state of the submarine by the control center of it. And if it is calm, and if it is centered, and if it is all under control, then he doesn't need to look externally when the control center is. And, and in this world that we live in, the currents and the water and the waves can wash us to and fro, but we've never been able to control out there. We need to be able to control in here. How's the control center of your life? How's your bridge? And that's what we've always been called to change, the bridge and the control center of our lives, of people's lives, and of the church and when we do that, it doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter how crazy the world is. When God walks into our control center, how's things going? He looks around and it's calm and it's centered and it's focused on him. He says, yes, this is fine, no matter the crazy world that we live in. And, and things need to look different for us as the church. Paul says this statement a lot, but as for you, but as for you. And so it doesn't matter what the world looks like, but as for you, the church. It doesn't matter if the world has a 50% divorce rate, but as for you, the church. It doesn't matter that in the world you climb the corporate ladder and step on whoever to get ahead, but as for you, this is how we act. It's a but as for you. And so Paul prays this prayer in Ephesians chapter three. And my message today is literally just going through these seven verses and showing how this is the prayer for today. Ephesians three, verses 14 to 21. I'll be reading from the CSB version, um, but open your own Bible and read along with me. And it's, it's such a powerful scripture that it brings so much hope to me when I read it for the people around me. It says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Even that, the fullness of God, not clinging to a form of godliness, but denying its power, being filled with the fullness of who he is. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church 
and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And this is the convicting question. When was the last time you prayed a prayer like that for somebody? And I, I say this as I was convicted writing it, not that I've already attained this, that I'm some super spiritual person, but that I am pursuing to be a person like this. When was the last time someone went up to you and, and went up to you, Pastor Gray, and said, I want you to know that I, I, this morning I was on my knees before God and before God who created everything, I was on my knees and I begged him that he would strengthen you in here, that no matter what happens out here, that you would be strong enough in your, in your control center to, to bear it all. When was the last time someone prayed like that for you? Or when was the last time you prayed like that for somebody else? And I sat with my team this year at, at City Point Brisbane and went through with the pastoral team and we agreed we want to be a team that prays like that for our church. And we want to be a team that teaches our church to pray like that for people in your world. Because in our world, as I said, in an intellectual world, you don't have to be the best preacher. You don't have to be the best teacher. You don't have to be the best apologist. You don't have to have all the answers. We have links and resources and everything for that. One thing that no one else is going to do for the people in your world is pray like that for them. No one's going to pray for your workplace like that. No one's going to pray for your family like that. And so it's on us to start praying like this, a different way of prayer. And he starts by saying, I get on my knees before you, God, because on our knees in this position of submission is where the power is before God. I get on my knees before you. And uh, that kind of person, imagine if everyone in your world had someone like that praying for them, that they would be able to comprehend what is the love and the width and the depth and the height of God's love for them. What if someone had someone praying for that every day? You can flick them a podcast, but this is what Paul is saying. No one else prays like that for those people. If you want to see a real change in people's life, this is how we got to pray. That's verse 14. Get on my knees before the Father. Verse 15 goes on and says, from whom every family in heaven, in heaven and on earth is named. From whom every family, and so... This is, this is a big statement. It doesn't sound like much, but Paul's saying that every tribe, every nation, every family comes from one father. That he's pretty much saying, I'm going to the top with this request. I'm not asking the prime minister. I'm not asking the president. I'm not asking uh, my boss. I'm going, there is a person from whom every person came from, whom every family came from, and he is the sustainer of all of the human race. Look at this in Acts chapter 17, verse 25. It says, neither is he served by human hands. God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. Just just for a moment, just take a deep breath, wherever you are. Take a deep breath in and out. You are only able to do that because the father of all of us allows us to. It doesn't matter if you're just or unjust. All life and breath is given by God. And that should humble you when you think about it. We're not that important. I can't even determine when my last breath is. There is a God that sustains us all. And so when Paul is saying this, I go to the Father from whom every family comes from. He's saying, I go to the one. I'm praying to the one, the all-powerful, the sustainer of life. And so this is establishing God's power over this situation. I'm on my knees before someone like that. Verse 16, I pray to God desperately that according 
to the riches of his glory. Next verse. According to the riches of his glory. And, and I love this one because sometimes in your life, and I've met a few people like this, they are stupid rich. You meet some people, like you have some people that are good stewards of their money, and then you have some people who can just accumulate wealth. It's like it's, people throw it at them. It's like on an airplane you have economy seating, and then you have business class, and then you have people who fly their own private jets. And when you meet someone like that with that amount of wealth, it's not as though you treat them any differently, but when you're with them, it's almost like you look through a different lens. And I've met a few of these people in my life, and I just talk to them. Imagine, like, imagine if you just sold one of your houses, how many girls would be able to rescue through It's Not Okay. Like, you look through a different lens that with that resource, what would we be able to do on mission? And so what this verse is saying is that according to the riches of his glory, according to all the riches of God. So Paul is saying when we approach God, we need to look through a different lens, a lens that isn't a stingy God, but a God who has all the resources of heaven. God has a big spiritual bank account. It has no limits. He's that this massive vault, all of like the streets aligned with gold in heaven. He's not wanting for money. And so Paul is reminding us, when you pray to God, he's not like a tap that you have to turn off to conserve water. He has limitless supply. And so Paul is saying, God, according to the riches of your glory, according to all the wealth that you have, I need you to reach into your heavenly storehouse for this. This is the big ask. He's about to say, according to all your riches, I'm on my knees before you, you're the most powerful, can we have this? Verse 16, this is the ask. That we may be strengthened with power in your inner being through the Spirit. That's the big ask. Why, why is that the big ask? You like, you could have asked for anything, Paul, according to his riches. But this is the prayer that we need to pray for people. This is the secret for a flourishing 21st century church and a flourishing 21st century Christian. That God, with all the riches at your disposal out of the innumerable wealth of your storehouse, would you reach in and give us strength in here by your spirit? Because this is the most powerful prayer that you can pray for anyone around you, for your kids. The most powerful prayer is not that your friend would stop drinking too much. The most powerful prayer is not that your spouse would look at, stop looking at things that are damaging to the relationship. The most powerful prayer isn't even that your kid would find salvation or stop... Uh, acting out at school or whatever it may be, this is the most powerful prayer. Because we need to start stop, we need to stop praying behavior modification prayers and start realizing the true path of transformation starts with this strengthening of our inner being. And every service, every gathering, we will always pray for external breakthrough. I believe that God still heals and He still provides. We will always pray for that. But Paul is modeling a deeper model of prayer here. Something different, something that changes everything. And, and this is why. We, we sung so many songs this morning, and it was great, around the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in this verse, it says that he's going to strengthen us by the Spirit. As in, we sung that song, and we, we sing it all the time, the Holy Spirit lives in my heart. Cool, that's really good. Like It's, it's almost like a, a throwaway in some of our Pentecostal churches. And we're like, yeah, that's a really cool statement to have. But if you said that statement to a God-following Israelite 3,000 years ago, their mind would just explode. They'd be like, not a chance. That cannot happen. The presence of God cannot reside in a human heart. It's so foreign to them. It was promised, though, in Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. It says, I'll give you a new heart. 
I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and it will cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. It will cause you to follow my statutes, follow who I am, follow what I love, follow what I do. See, in, back in the day, the presence of God, the spirit of God, and I'm oversimplifying here, but it, it, it wasn't in a human heart. It wasn't really freely roaming on the planet. It was in a box called the Ark of the Covenant. It's a specially designed box. And the power of that box alone was incredible. Like the Israelites rock up to a war with it, and the other army sees that the presence of God in this box is there, they already know they're going to be decimated. If the box, the presence of God, was revered and kept in someone's house, there was innumerable favour and wealth that came upon that house. But if you approached it irreverently, even touched it, you'd be struck down, dead. Even one day they were transported on a wagon and it looked like it was going to fall off. So a young soldier rises up to try and embrace it, to put it back on. He died as soon as he touched it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit presence of God. And, and this verse is saying, we're going to get all that power, all that presence, and we're going to put it in your heart. What does that mean? Surely that has some consequences. To... And so God is saying, when he puts the Holy Spirit, and this verse is saying, I put a new spirit within you, your heart of stone gets taken out and a heart of flesh gets put in. When the Holy Spirit, this happens at the moment of salvation, when you choose to follow Jesus as your Lord. This is tied into this form of godliness because you can come to church and you can sing songs, but if you haven't got the Holy Spirit in your heart, because when the salvation moment happens, the Holy Spirit gets put in your heart, it is a regeneration. Palingenesia, it's this regeneration of your heart, which means all things come alive again because Jesus was resurrected physically, you and I can be resurrected spiritually. That a heart of stone gets taken out and a heart of flesh gets put in. A full regeneration happens inside. It's not a behavior modification process. It's a whole thing that happens from an inside-out transformation and that your desires start to change. But the person I was at college 10, 15 years ago, I'm a completely different person. I like different things. I love different things. My heart affections have been changed by the Holy Spirit that has regenerated my heart. But this regeneration process must happen in our lives. And then this happens. So this new heart gets put in. And this is why it is a better prayer to pray than behavior modification prayers. Because you can pray that someone stops drinking, but if their heart isn't changed, they're going to do something else later that you won't approve of. But the only way to do it is pray that, like Paul says, you get on your knees and pray that they're strengthened in their heart by the Spirit of God, the regenerating every part of them from the inside out. That's how... It works. Romans 6 verses 17 to 18 says this. But thank God, although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart pattern of teaching which you were handed over. And then when you were set free from that, you became enslaved to righteousness. See, we're always bound to something. We get to choose what we're bound to. The Christian journey is about being bound to the Holy Spirit that having him regenerate you, then you are enslaved to righteousness, enslaved to the good things of God. It's this whole changing of our affections, of our heart. So often in our lives, and I've seen this more and more in this COVID season, we build our faith around a structure. It's almost like we outsource our spiritual growth. And this has been one of the most dangerous progressions of the Christian church until this point. And we're seeing it come to a head right now. People have outsourced their Christian faith. 
And so they come to church, and this church is where you worship. And then Pastor Mel will lead us in a great prayer moment, because that's where I pray. But then in COVID season, where habits and patterns get disrupted, and we can't meet or things like that, what we saw is because these patterns and structures of faith were disrupted, these faith statements and these faith practices didn't happen in the family home anymore. Because no one was leading them in prayer at church, then prayer didn't happen in the family home. No one was teaching kids how to pray. Parents and and fathers and mothers weren't the priests and kings and prophets of their own household because we had gotten used to outsourcing our faith to the church or to somebody else or to a podcast or to a teaching or if, you know, if Stephen Furtick says it, then I've got my input for the week or because Pastor Graham prayed for me at lunch one time that I don't need to talk to God myself. And then we put structures around our faith. But when the structures get torn down, so does the faith in many people's lives. And so in this season of disruption, if people do not own their own faith, you see them fall away and they blame different things. Because if our faith is based on structure, then your holiness will only ever be as good as the structure is. But this verse isn't talking about structure. Structure and habits are good. They help New Christians, new believers, people who don't know, find their way because habits shape affections of the heart. But there is a point, have to get to a point where we are regenerated and you truly want the things of God. And that's what this is talking about right here. He's saying, according to the riches of God, will you strengthen people in here by your spirit? And with that new power, it's not the system's fault. It's not the system's fault if you go back to drinking or you start watching things you shouldn't again. It's that you never truly knew or understood God and his fullness as the Holy Spirit wanted you to do. It's a regeneration problem that needs to take place there. And so Paul prays, strengthen us, Lord, from the inside out. Changes from here out, not outwards in. He goes on and says this, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length of and the width, and the height, and the depth of God's love. Paul prays two really important things here. The second is that you would be able to comprehend the bigness of God's love. Can you, he prays that you would be able to comprehend it. Can you understand the bigness of If you can understand that God loves you, it changes everything about your life. Like if you understand that God loves you and God loves everybody, if people have alternative views to you about things. It doesn't make you divide between them because you understand how much God loves that person and loves you. You walk into a situation where people are tearing you down. You don't walk in fearful because you realise if someone like that loves me, what can people here do about it? When you have an understanding of God's love, and, and I want you to know, it doesn't matter where you've walked in. Maybe you've walked in and, and no one's ever told you this. The creator of the universe deeply loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He knows everything about you. He knows the dark parts of your heart, the worst things you've ever done. And even still, he loves you. We don't have a love problem. We have a comprehension problem. Paul prays that you can comprehend the love of God. The love of God is there. It's for everybody. The comprehension is the problem. Will you be able to comprehend God's love? And what is the secret to be able to comprehend it? And we look in this verse, it's entirety, 17 and 18. The key to comprehending we see in Scripture, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend. There is a 
firmly established that allows us to comprehend the love of God. In, in our world, we always say that you need to be planted in church. And that's 100% true. But you can be planted in church and not be planted in Christ. The reason you're planted in church is to be growing with people who are planted in Christ. Our roots need to go deep into Christ. When you go deeper into Christ, the love grows bigger in here. That's the process. The first growth of a seed, of a plant beneath the soil, isn't up shooting out. It's down, roots growing out. And the same thing is our growth as well. We must put down roots into Christ. The best way to put down roots into Christ is in the church because other people are doing it as well. But it must be into Christ first. And even Ruth and I were talking last year that if we were in a country where Christianity was persecuted, would we still be able to uh, preach it knowing that one of us was going to, you know, be locked up in jail, having writing letters like Paul to the other? Could we do it? Would we still boldly proclaim our faith knowing one of us would be locked away? And it wasn't even a, a conversation. And it was really encouraging because we've been walking with God a lot. But now we're at the point where there's nothing else besides him. Like, He's everything to me. He's everything to my family. He's going to be everything to Aurora. Our roots go deep. We've put it, we firmly established them. Not that I'm not tempted with other things all the time. I'm still a human. But because our roots go deep, we have this understanding of the greatness of God's love. He's just not the top of my priority list anymore. He's, he holds the priority list. And everyone that's been walking with God a while and you notice that your roots grow deeper. It's a, it's a gradual process. Sometimes there's a poor moment where he's on the road to Damascus. Boom, he gets struck by lightning. But for most of us, it's this gradual process of putting down roots. And that's why we say, hey, come to church every Sunday. Be around other people who are growing deeper in Christ. That's how you grow together. It's not about being putting your roots down deep into a worldview or a structure. It's putting down deep into Christ. And the amount of people that I've seen do that successfully over time by themselves outside of community is very, very rare. We need community for that. We grow better together. And if you don't feel God's love around your life sometimes, it's probably not a God's love problem. It's a comprehension problem. It's an establishment problem. And so Paul prays right here, I pray that by being firmly established, that you may be able to comprehend how big God's love is for you because that changes everything. He goes on to say in verse 19, I pray that you know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You can know Christ's love beyond knowledge. How do you know something beyond knowledge? <laughs> it's kind of like, a what is he really saying there? How do you know something that you cannot know? And Paul is saying, he gets there saying, hey, I can pray this for you. I can declare it over you. I can do an exegesis of it. I can pull out some Greek words. We can do a Bible study together. But at the end of the day, I cannot make you know the love of God. Not a single person can do that for you. You cannot know. He prays. It only comes by revelation of the Holy Spirit. And that's why this internal regeneration, this whole newness, a new power, that's what it means to be a new creation. You're totally regenerated by the Holy Spirit that comes through and does that. And so God says, stop taking my job to the church. Paul's saying, I pray that the people wouldn't do your job. Sometimes we take the responsibility for people's spiritual growth. 
And the Bible says our responsibility is to pray and make disciples. And sometimes we say, well, my kid isn't saved. My friend's not saved. I feel like a failure. And we've just taken a divine weight on us. We cannot do that. Our God's responsibility is the outcome. Our responsibility is always obedience. And in this season, we are called to pray. Pray like this, that they're strengthened in here. Why? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That line at the start just resonates with me every time. And I, and I see it over controversial issues where there would be people who cling to a form of godliness but deny its power. And they don't know the Bible true enough and say, Jesus would have done this, but they don't truly know Jesus. And to be filled with the fullness of God goes against all of that. We can cling to a form of godliness without power. It's, it's rules, but it doesn't have transformation. It's leadership, but it doesn't have Holy Spirit guidance. It's social circles, but it doesn't have brothers and sisters. It has attendance, but it, it doesn't have discipleship. And although leadership and social circles and all these things are great, I just think if we don't have the fullness of God, what are we really doing here? Like if we don't have the fullness of God, what are we actually trying to achieve? Are we just a social club that likes to posture on Instagram our virtue? Our virtue? We just want to feel morally superior. And I used to think, why would we not want the fullness of God? Why would I not want the fullness of God in my life for all of this? And I used to think because people want too many things, right? We want power, we want love, we want money, we want sex, all those kinds of things. But C.S. Lewis writes this quote, which I think captures it better than I can say it. He says that he don't, we don't think we want too much, but we as humans have always wanted too little. It says this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when there is infinite joy offered us. We're like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we can't imagine what's meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I think right now we are far too easily pleased as people. There's a fullness of God. This full regeneration which sometimes we can't see what's possible for our own lives by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit in us because we only see what's around us. Or this is my past, so I probably can't get to here. But this is the fullness of God. To him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Verse 20. We pray this earnestly. We elevate ourselves from the realm of our possibility to the realm of God's possibility. Because you probably have some great dreams for your life. I have some big dreams for my life, what I believe God wants to do with me in ministry and my family. And no matter what I can imagine, this verse says God can imagine more. That with God, more is possible than you can think or imagine or be satisfied with. That with God, everything is better. And when we pray like this, we pray like Paul, strengthen us here. Because our prayers will be for our dreams. God, I would like this, and I would like this car and this house, and I would like this. If we can just stop that and realize that in Matthew 6, it says, Seek God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But our part is the seeking God part. That's why this whole pursue theme, it's about seeking God. That's why this prayer is so important right now. It says, When you strengthen us in here, regenerate me more in here, God. Change my heart in here, God, from stone to flesh. Let me understand the depths of your love, God, in here. 
that no matter what goes on around here, in here, I'm a rock. In here, I'm bursting with hope. In here, I have love. Let me understand that for everyone. Then, when we pray a prayer like that, we elevate our world to the level of God's possibility. Verse 21, Paul finishes here, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The ultimate outcome of us as people and us as church is that God gets the glory. This is why we exist, to glorify God. But so often in our Christian faith, we become the heroes of our own story. Even in our reading of the Bible so often, we write ourselves in as it's all about us. We forget that it's actually all about Jesus. And we read David and Goliath and see this guy take down his enemy and we're like, yes, that's me taking down the giants in my life when really David's always just been a shadow of Jesus. That Jesus is actually the hero of the story. You're more like the princess that needs to be saved. (laughs) (laughs) And so sometimes in our faith, we make ourselves the hero of our Christian faith and we read ourselves into it like the son of our own universe. But Paul is saying here, this only works if God gets the glory. To God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then I find a good indication, a heart check. This is a question I always check myself to see if this question excites me. And if not, if, if it does excite me, I think I'm glorifying God. And if it doesn't, I'm usually the hero of my own story. This statement says, heaven is an eternity. This is what heaven is. Like, take out all the gold and all those kinds of things. Heaven is an eternity of growing with God in his presence and getting to know him better. That's what heaven is. Heaven is an eternity of growing with God in his presence and getting to know him better. And if that doesn't excite you, you're probably the hero of your own faith. Because our whole faith is bound around us growing in relationship with Christ and him getting the glory. And so for some people today, it might just be redirecting the glory back to God again. God can do above and beyond all that we've imagined. He wants to help us to reach our world, to get on mission, to make things better. But it takes a church like this, a church on its knees before the Father who created everything, begging and pleading with him that according to his riches, he can strengthen us and strengthen those around us by the regeneration of his spirit in us. When we pray like that as a church, that's a church that changes our suburbs, our schools, our families, our nation. When we pray that the regeneration of the Holy Spirit in our lives bursts out and starts to influence people around us, that's when real change comes. And in this time, it's an intellectual world. It's going to take a move of the spirit to change things. It's going to take a move of the spirit to cut through things. But for you to be whole in here, to heal out there, it takes a full regeneration of the Holy Spirit. We have to let him into areas of our heart and rooms of our heart that we have doors closed to him. Places in our lives that we think, oh, this is just this, is this little bit of sin, that's all right. I'll keep that. You have access to everything else. But a full, to be a full new creation requires a full regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And so... I just want to pray this prayer over us today with the understanding that we now have of it as we close the service today, that we would be people like that to people around us. God, for this reason, we are in a position of submission before you. We kneel before you, God, as a church. 
God, you are the Father for whom every family on, in heaven and on earth is named. And we pray, God, that according to your infinite riches, will you strengthen us with power by your Spirit? Will you regenerate us by your Holy Spirit? Make us new creations, Lord, that we can dwell in you, that we can be firmly established in Christ and in your church, that we can understand how great your love is for us. Even right now in hearts for some people who have heard about the love of God but never felt the love of God, I pray, Holy Spirit, will you let them feel the tangible presence and tangible love of who you are. God, that your love surpasses knowledge, that we can be filled with the fullness of who you are, that this will not be a church that clings to a form of godliness but denies its power, but we embrace the transformation power of the Holy Spirit within us. And God, above all, we give you the glory that this church will be known for giving glory to you, Jesus, for all the generations forever and ever. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to pray for anyone in this place who, one of two people, first, you may have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. I mean, you've never had that regeneration moment of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And it seems foreign, it seems distant, but it can be so close. It just happens when you don't just cling to a form of godliness, but embrace the fullness of God. And for some people in this place, it might be that you have outsourced your faith a little bit. You have structures in your life that meet your prayer quota and your Bible quota, but are you really connecting with God? Have you really been regenerated by the Holy Spirit? And, and this moment is for you as well. Because all it is is a submission of your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the one who can do above and beyond, the one who has your best interest at heart. And so on the count of three, if, if you need that prayer over you today to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit, to become a new creation, a tangible, a real experience with a real God that you're sick of outsourcing your faith. If that is you today on the count of three, I'd love you to raise your hand that I can just pray with you in this moment. One, God has you here in this moment, in this room, listen to this message for a purpose. Two, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how long you've been professing the Christian or what got you to this point. All he wants is to, for you to be able to understand the depth and the width of his love. If you need to make that decision for Jesus today, three, put your hand up in this place. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you, I see that. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. It's great. God, I saw some hands go up and even if I didn't see them, Lord, that doesn't matter because you saw what's happening in their heart. A heart opening up to the fullness of God. A heart hungry, Lord God. You always say you'll fill us to our level of desperation and today these people are desperate for you. Desperate for a change, desperate for a regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Lord, today we lay down our lives before you. We don't know everything. We don't have what it takes, Lord God, but you do. So we submit our lives and declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord of these lives. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit takes up residency in our heart and starts to regenerate. 
and starts to make new and starts to bring hope and starts to bring joy and starts to bring purpose and starts to bring peace. We thank you, Lord God, that all this happens with salvation, whether it be for the first time or recommitting to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for salvation in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Put our hands together for those decisions today.